the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CDP, see the phenol. Hey, you. the tailgate crew my name is jermaine glad to be back here week four of the college football season week five of high school football pretty much in the books week three week four whatever week it is in, in the nfl week three in the nfl this coming up week uh going on it's a big week big week of college football 
Uh, some of the things we're going to talk on the show today, you know, is Charlie Strong in trouble at Texas? Is the, SEC, is the Pac-12 better than the SEC? And then we're going to get into some high school football scores and also and also talk about some of the big games of, of week four of the college football season. But before we get into all that, we're going to get into this daily devotion, into the daily devotional that I like to do every week before we get started on the show. And this one is pretty good. I want y'all to listen to this one. Listen to this one really well. And this this verse is from Philippians 3.12. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has led, also laid hold of me. On more than one occasion, the Bible compares the Christian life to running a race. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3.13 and 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are be, that are behind and reaching forward to those things that which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of of the upward call in God of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's focus was at the end of the race because the key is not just the start of the race, it is to finish it well. Things don't always turn out the way we think they will. Take for example, the 2013 Super Bowl. It was not a close game during the first half, but after a power outage in the stadium, the San Francisco 49ers began a Again, making an amazing comeback right up until the last moments of the game. In the race of life, it doesn't matter whether we hold first place for nine-tenths of the race. We have to finish. Sometimes in the Christian life, people leave the starting blocks with a bang, with a lot of passion and zeal, then lose their speed and energy. And the next thing you know, they have effectively crashed and burned. We have to pace ourselves in the race of life. You may just be starting the race of life. You may be at the midway point, or you may be in your last laps. We naturally assume at, that at a young age, we have just started the race. And when we have lived a long time, we are finishing it. But we don't know when our lives will end. We don't know when our race will be over. This is why we always want to one, run well. And that was from Harvest Ministries. And it makes a lot of sense when you think of it in the grand scheme of things. Life isn't just a race. Life isn't just ups and downs, hills and valleys. It's about what you make of it. That's a little food for thought. We're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back.
Welcome to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and we're just going to jump right into it. One of the big questions is because of the Steve Patterson debacle at Texas, whether Charlie Strong still will have a job after this year. My take on it is this. Whatever AD you have, you bring in at Texas. You already got a great head coach in place. So why why fix it? Charlie Strong is one of those one of those coaches that he's a culture changer. If you saw what happened when he took over for Steve Cragthorpe at Louisville a few years ago, you saw what we saw as outsiders looking in. He changed the culture. He brought in a winning attitude. He brought in an attitude, a bit of swag, maybe. Will we call it swag? I mean, I you know, bringing in the Teddy Bridgewaters, bringing in some of the some of the players that we brought in. It's just one of those things where it could really, really happen if you give it an opportunity to happen. At, at Texas, with the interim AD parent coming in and the hires that Steve Patterson has made, he's made some splashes with the hire of Charlie Strong and then last last spring with the hire of Shaka Smart as a basketball coach at Texas. There were smart hires. But the thing about Texas football and about the Texas athletics culture is that it's fan-friendly. The AD is fan-friendly. DeLos Dodds was a fan-friendly guy. So the next person that you bring in as AD at the University of Texas, whether it be Oliver Luck, whether it be Mac Brown, who I like, who I would love to have as AD, because of the relationship that he has with Charlie Strong, I think that it could possibly work. I think that you leave Charlie Strong alone, the new AD who wants to bring in his guy because he didn't hire him, is going to make a big mistake. And Steve Patterson was making that big mistake just like just like the former AD at, at Michigan did 
when they lost the Nike deal and they were potential then Texas is potentially gonna lose their Nike deal because their exclusive marketing deal ends on October first. Well, let me rephrase. The initial dealings, the initial negotiations, the exclusive negotiations with Nike, they'll end on October first. Steve Patterson it was making a mockery of being an athletic director. I mean, he was a CEO. He was a corporate guy. He's not a college guy at all. So, with that being said, with that being said, it's time that Texas gets back to being Texas. When you have a 100,000-seat stadium, and only 84,000 people show up for a football game, that's when you know that your programs are slowly on the decline. And people aren't just wanting to come see an unfinished product. So I say leave Charlie Strong alone. Texas made a great decision in getting rid of Steve Patterson. Now go and do the right thing and hire Matt Brown. Point blank. Moving on. We're gonna move on to some to some high school football scores and uh we're gonna move on to some scores from the state of Georgia. We're gonna start in the state of Georgia, um from from the the scores from last night. Um we'll start off in six A. Um South Georgia, Lee County, a winner over Mitchell County, 56 to nothing. I'll move further north in the Atlanta area. Alcovia, 6A, 6A school, actually loses to Lamar County, which is a lower level school, 20 to 7. Mays beats Lovejoy, 32 to 4. And yes, 32 to 4, 32 to 4 was the score. Lovejoy did get two saves in that game. So, in other words, Mays just gifted them four points. Tucker was a winner over ML King, 44-6. East Coweta was a winner over Campbell, 28-6. Hughes beats Douglas County, 28-14. Noonan wins over South Cobb, 20-10. And Westlake continued their winning ways, winning 32-7 over Pebblebrook. In other scores, as you move down, if you move down in the, in the, into the metro area, Region 6A action, Alpharetta was a winner over Habersham Central, 48 to 20. Centennial was a winner over Johns Creek, 35 21. South Forsyth was a winner over Chattahoochee, 40 to 9. Lambert, the Longhorns actually win last night over North Forsyth, 42 to 14. West Forsyth beat Northview twenty-eight to seven. We move on to seven. We move on to Region Seven in Georgia, which is probably one of the, one of the best regions in in Georgia. Um, Collins Hill was a winner over Meadow Creek fifty-six to eight. Norcross was a winner over Duluth forty-seven to nothing. North Creek twenty-eight nothing winners over North Gwinnett. Fisher Ridge a winner over Mountain View, thirty-five to seven. We move on to Region Eight. Archer was a winner over Parkview, forty-two to fourteen. 
Grayson played 70 on Burkmar, winning 70 to 6. Brookwood was a winner over South Gwinnett, 23 to 12. And Dakula was a winner over Shiloh, 14 to 7. We're moving to some local scores around around the region and starting 5A, where Carver Columbus, led by Louisville commit, led by Louisville commit Jawan Pass, excuse me, was a winner over Columbus, 30 to 3, snapping Columbus's 60 game winning streak. It was Lagrange, coach Diallo Burks, a winner over Hardaway, 49 to 6. North side of Columbus was a winner over Shaw, 17-14. We're moving to 2-5A. And Evans of Evans was a winner over Cross Creek, 28-18. North side Warner Robins, 44-6. Houston County was a winner over Lakeside of Evans, 39-0. Moving to some other local scores around 5A. McIntosh of Peachtree City was a winner 35 to 6 over Morrow. Northgate of Noonan was a winner over Mundy's Mill 36 to 7. Alexander Alexander was a winner 50 to 6 over Lithia Springs. East Paulding was a winner 46 to 21 over New Manchester. Paulding County was a winner over Villa Rica 38-35. Move into the Atlanta area, Region 6, Region 6, 5A. Druid Hills was a winner over Tri-Cities. Tucker was a winner over ML King. Southwest DeKalb was a winner over Miller Grove. Jumping back over into into um, into some other local scores, Carrollton was a winner over Banneker, 55-14. Mays was a winner over Lovejoy, 32-4. Again, that game was thirty-two to four. Um, Druid Hills over over Tri Cities, fourteen to ten. Moving to some other local scores around the area, it was Upson Lee of Thomaston, a winner over Baldwin, twenty-nine twenty-one. West Lawrence of Dublin beat Howard, twenty-one to fourteen. Mary Persons of Forsyth beat Perry, 42-14. to 14. And we go into the northwest corner, of, northeast corner of Georgia, where Henry County beat Hampton, 45-7. to 7. Locust Grove beat Walnut Grove, 26-20. to 20. And then to some other local scores around, around the region, around Region 4, Quad A, which is the same region that Troop High School is in. Fayette County was a winner over Cedartown. Cedartown, the former high school Georgia running back Nick Chubb. Uh, Fayette County wins twenty-one to fourteen at Cedartown. Twenty-one to fifteen at Cedartown. Sandy Creek actually came over to Auburn, Alabama, and played Auburn High School and beat them soundly, forty-one to six. And in the Battle of County. For the third time, and the third time in four years, Callaway beat Troop 42-24. to Woodward Academy beat Eagles Landing Christian 20-10. to And other, and other scores around, around the uh, around the 4A, around the 4A regions. 
Uh, North Oconee was a win over Chester T, 37-15. Johnson of Gainesville um, was a win over Riverside Military, 31-7. Monroe area was a winner over Madison County, 49. And those are some of the scores from around the state of Georgia. We're going to take a quick station break, and we'll be right back.
is eating up with all kinds of talent. Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and welcome into the show. Some big things happened around the state of Alabama this week. You know, Alabama losing, Auburn getting beat up, you know, things of that nature. But the high schools, high school football was, you know, they did pretty good. It was a couple, it was an Alabama-Georgia game last week. Um, Is this a preview of next week? Maybe so, maybe not. But we're going to jump into some Alabama football scores, and we're going to start from Thursday. Um, starting starting Thursday, Greenville, Greenville High School um, was a winner over Georgiana, 21-8. Washington County was a winner over Millery, 54-13. Ramsey High School was a winner over Tarrant High School, 50-6. Winfield was a winner over Hamilton, 56-35. Davidson was a winner over Charles Henderson, 34-14. Jeff Davis was a winner over Sidney Lanier of Montgomery, 35-22. And we'll jump into some, we'll jump into some, more, some more action from from 1A, um, Blackshear was a winner over Pleasant Home, 35-22. to St. Luke's Episcopal was a winner over Chickasaw, 14-6. Choctaw County was a winner over Fruitdale, 32-20. to Move on down the line here. Central High School of Coosa was a winner, 56-21 to over Isabella. Marengo was a winner over Johnson. 40 to 38. Selma was a winner over Keith, 19 nothing. Talladega County Central was a winner over Spring Garden, 34 to 14. Jacksonville Christian Academy was a winner over Alabama School for the Death, for the Death, sorry, not Death, Death, 35 to 12. Sweetwater was a winner over R.C. Hatch, who's a perennial power, 68 to nothing. Wow. Barber County was a loser to Cottonwood, 49-13. Houston Academy was a winner over Ocean High School, 26-0 in, in 2A action. Moving on, Sullivan, West Alabama, was a winner over Lamar County, 56-24. Mobile, Mobile Christian was a winner over Cottage Hill Christian, 42-30. Andalusia was a winner over Op, 1916. T.R. Miller was a winner over Escambia County, 42-18. to 
Ramburn was a winner over Beulah, 42 to nothing. Mon Academy was a winner over Trinity Presbyterian, 21 to nothing. Montevallo was a winner, 58 to nothing over Asheville. Plainview was a winner over Section, 26 to nothing. Fife was a winner, 37 over Sylvania. Geraldine High School was a winner over Sardis, 27 to 20. New Hope was a winner over Elkmont, 42 to 16. UMS Wright of Montgomery was a winner, 34 to nothing over Bayside Academy. Montgomery Catholic was a winner over Hopeville, 33 to 14. Realtown was a winner, 53 to 42 over Elmore County. Um, Leeds High School was a winner over Piedmont, 29 to 12. Cleburne County was a winner over Harrison County, 44 to 17. Jacksonville High School was a was a winner there against SR. Sachs was a winner over Weaver, 47-21. LaRoy High School was a winner, 33-30 over Faith Academy. Ufala was a winner over Dale County, 63-7. Rehoboth was a winner over Headland, 13-6. Booker T. Washington was a winner, 26-6 over Bullock County. Getting into some, into some local area school scores. Beauregard High School was a winner, 48 to nothing over Strong. Sylacauga was a winner, 42 to 18 over Childersburg. Tallahassee High School was a winner, 28-22 over Dadeville. Uh, Southside High School Selma was a winner, 42 to 8 over Wilcox Central. Dallas County High School was a winner over over Bibb County, 27 to 7. Solera was a winner over Welburn. 42 to 38. Moving on down, South Alabama scores. Daphne was a winner over Murphy, 28 to 27. Foley High School, which is the former high school of Julio Jones, 35 to 19 winners over Robertsdale. Uh, Benjamin Russell was a winner last night, 48 to 28 over Stanhope Elmore. Pravel was a winner, 25-7 over Carver of Montgomery, which spawned out Jeremy Johnson. Chilton County Marbury, 56-7. Paul Bryant High School was a winner over Central Tuscaloosa, 13-12. Hueytown was a winner over Pleasant Grove, 27-20. Oak Mountain was a winner over Briarwood Christian, 35 to nothing. Carver of Birmingham was a winner over Woodlawn, 26 to 6. Coleman High School was a winner over Fayette County, 34 to 6. Auburn High School goes to Central of Phoenix City. And wins 27 
at Central. Vestavia Hills wins over Oxford, 17-10. Sparkman beats Russellville, 39-36. Even beats Fort Payne, 21-17. And James Clemens and Mountain Brook, uh, James Clemens beating Mountain Brook, 51-14. And those are some of your high school scores from the state of Alabama. We're going to jump into some predictions now. and We're going to talk about some games that are kind of intriguing to me in, in, in a way. Um, the BYU-Michigan game, which is probably one of the first games on national TV today, was a noon Eastern kickoff. Two and one on the season. They had a heartbreaking loss to to UCLA last week, despite three turnovers that they caused. Um, they just couldn't get the job done over UCLA. And very good BYU team. Nobody really talks about BYU as being, as being a power, being a power team uh, because they're not in, not in one of the power five conferences. You know, they're not in a conference. They're independent. But they've got a story history. They're pretty like quarterback you. Um, with Lavelle Edwards and Norm Chow being at offensive masterminds there uh, for so long. And we all know what Michigan can do. Michigan is, has found an identity on on offense that reverts back to I would say Bo Schembechler in that run-first mentality, that old Big Ten, three yards in the cloud of dust, get up, you know, live to fight another day type deal. I'm looking at this matchup, and I'm thinking, it's almost like a throwback type game to me because you have a guy like Tanner Mangum who – Reminds you of a of a Ty Detmer. He's far different from Taysom Hill, but he's got the arm talent, and the arm talent is on was on display a lot the last couple games. The hail mary touchdowns that he's thrown, some of the throws that he makes in and out of the pocket, but one of the things that people fail to realize about Tanner Mangum is that. He was a he was the top quarterback coming out of high school himself. If you go back and look at look at the Elite Eleven, he wasn't Elite Eleven quarterback. And who was the co MVP alongside Jack of twenty twelve? Tanner Mangum was. But you didn't really hear about Tanner Mangum because he went on a Mormon mission and he came back and he's now twenty two years old and he's he's staying together now. Excuse me. He's putting things together now. And getting to a two and one start. Jake Rudock, on the other hand, played in played in almost almost forty games now. And he's two and one now as a as a starter at Michigan. Whereas sixteen and ten as a starter at um at, Jake Rudock is one of those players. He's a game manager. 
But if you put the game on his shoulders and he can throw the ball also, he's very smart, he's very intuitive. But the running game for Michigan is so far superior than the running game is of BYU that I think the running game for Michigan can take over the game. I think the defense for for both BYU and Michigan, they are up to par with each other. Strong secondary uh, help helps BYU. Very good front seven for Michigan helps Michigan. So, in other words, it's who can get off first in this game. I like Michigan in this game. Not because necessarily because of the, because it's Jim Harbaugh or because it's Michigan Stadium, but I love the running game that Michigan has. They've they've got 200 yards rushing in each of the last two games that they've played, and granted they have been home games against rather position, but in the grand scheme of things. You look at Michigan, you look at BYU, you look at traditions, you look at the things that they do. Traditionally, BYU throws the ball. Traditionally, Michigan runs the ball. And that under hardball. So, which tradition is going to stand out most? I'm going to say Michigan. And I'm not going to say Michigan because they're the home team in this game. I'm going to say Michigan because they've got the better run game. They've got more experience at quarterback. They've got they're still a little bit suspect on the on the back end and secondary. Jabril Peppers and those guys on that front seven. Jake Rudolph and that collection of backs that they have. I think Michigan can win this game. And they'll win this game by running the ball by being that possession type offense that they that they're accustomed to being. So with that being said, I'm gonna say Michigan. I'm gonna say Michigan by I say Michigan by ten. Ten sounds good. Ten sounds real good. Moving forward, and this is my upset pick of the week. And a lot of people aren't gonna like me for this. I just there's something in the air. Um, when these two play. Last year it was the touchdown that wasn't that was returned back for a touchdown for the defense. It, it was weird calls against certain teams and you know, bad mistakes and Marcus Mariota just putting it down the way he normally put it down. But there's something about this game that I actually like, you know, and I would put them on upset alert. I would put Oregon on upset alert against Utah because strange things happen in, in these games. I know that Oregon's undefeated against Utah since they've met each other in in a league play, but I want I want to put 
Oregon on, on upset alert simply because what kind of Utah team you're going to get. One game they're going to be solid offensively and terrible defensively. Other games they'll be terrible offensively but solid defensively. So I would like to put Oregon on upset alert. I think I will. Simply because but because of the Travis Wilson situation, we don't know whether he's gonna play this week or whether he's gonna sit out another week and come back next week. Adams, we don't know if he's gonna play. We don't know if if he'll play this week or if he's gonna sit out again and wait until next week for that big game next week. So there's so many different intangibles, but you got playmakers all over the field, for both, especially especially Oregon. Byron Marshall and that group of guys in the backfield and, and those receivers that they have. I still think Oregon wins the day, but don't at all in this game. So... I'm kind of torn on this pick because you don't know who's going to play and when are they going to play again. So you have to put this game in perspective of who's going to play and who's not going to play. Will it be great quarterback play or will it not be great quarterback play? Will it be great offensive play or awful awful, awful defensive play from both sides? Because both sides tend to put up a lot of points. <laughs> And tend to give up a lot of points. So, I think the better question is, who'll have the ball last? And can Oregon get those stops that they so desperately need? And can or- and can Utah get a couple stops that they would desperately need in order to win? It's yet to be seen. But I'm gonna go with Oregon because I like. I'm going to go with Oregon because of the playmakers that they have, because of the speed they have, because of the great secondary they have. Well, let me rephrase. The great half of secondary that they have and part of a great front seven that they have, not really a great front seven, not really a great secondary but they get the job done. So I'm going to say Oregon. This game is closer than people think. But if Oregon can get the stops, I would say Oregon by two touchdowns. But don't be surprised if Utah pulls an upset. Just don't be surprised. I think that's the best way to put that. And... We'll jump forward to Virginia Tech and East Carolina. East Carolina does not have a quarterback anymore. So they moved on to the league. They've got a good quarterback there who's one and two. And honestly, that could be two and one, three and oh, depending on the turnovers that they made, depending on decision making by the quarterback. 
So this is a good East Carolina team. Ruffin McNeil's got this team going. Do I think East Carolina will make a bowl game? Sure. They're at home to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has got revenge on their minds because Virginia Tech lost this game that they shouldn't have lost last year in Blacksburg. They lost 28-21. Shane Carden tore them to shreds. Um, throwing the ball. So this is a good this is a good matchup in the Michael Brewer situation. We don't know whether he'll be back. He won't be back this week. We don't know if he'll be back after the off week. We don't know. We don't know. But the quarterback play for Virginia has improved steadily over the last couple of weeks. Um, two good wins. No, two good wins um, after that after that horrible loss and um, which in which they did not play bad against uh, Ohio State. But in the grand scheme of it, a loss is a loss. Virginia Tech has a good running game. Two running backs that can run the ball. They've got a quarterback who can run the ball. They've also got a quarterback that's also a good game manager that is very smart and thinks on his feet. So I like Virginia Tech in this game. I like Virginia Tech because of what they can do offensively. And I love that attack minded that Bud Foster has still using to this day at Virginia Tech. Um, I think Virginia Tech can also block a couple of punts. I think they can also block a couple of field goals in this game. So I think we will win, and they'll win handily. But if they let East Carolina hang around this game, this game is going to be very hard for them to put away. So they need to attack and attack early. They need to score and score early. They need to get stops and get stops early. So the thing about Virginia, so this game is get stops. East Carolina gets the stops. They got a great defense also. If they can get stops, East Carolina can hang around this game. But Virginia Tech, I, I want I, Virginia Tech by um we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna jump into another conversation that everybody's been talking about here in the last couple of weeks, and. And I want to get some. I want to get some, fee- some feedback from you guys. So call in six four six three seven eight zero two nine eight, and holler at your boy. We'll be right back.
those God is mine, I don't wish I climb My old ceilings denied, the daytime arrives Your nightmares confirm, my whole tribe's alive We stay fitted for the finish, never ask why Six rays, he's telling me I can't fly My hopes reach for the ceiling with their hands high So understand, got the city on standby Finding a balance in a game that's morally wrong From 5 a.m. up in the morning, we ducking the light Earn time through the habits we usually own Saving up, had to spend it on nothing, that's right That's a hell of a night The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking, the lames rocking the same plane The bed swinging, the seats clinging the same dream A low limit what the frame brings Low limit what the frame brings We up late again, plotting on the same thing Low limit what the frame brings We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing But hold up, let them picture this no bills, it's still limitless. <laughs> We're cooping the true essence, the legends who passed on. Live forever while we reminisce. True precision, I give forever and never miss. Signature sound like signing down on a dotted wrist. Seeing signs of you clown rappers on common shit. Trading in your word for green faces and diamond whips. Copping medallions while my people starve. I think the public getting blind to what honesty is. I heard life is stage play a part But we ain't trying to be a part of this comedy biz Cause ain't it funny, I'm holding like no grudges As long as your hoes love it and money just keeps coming Trying to rain on your fire by burning my whole budget A liar where y'all liars rely on the same subject The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking, the lames rocking the same plane The bed swinging, the seats clinging the same dreams uh, A low limit what the frame brings Low limit what the frame brings we up late again, plotting on the same thing. Low limit, what the frame brings. We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. On the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. A low limit what the frame brings. A low limit what the frame brings, yeah. A low limit what the frame brings, uh. Applying on the same things, yeah. About to get a choir in here. Plotting on the same things. We just plotting on the same things, yeah. Plotting on the same things. We up late as hell, plotting on the same things. Trotting on the same things, trotting on the quest to with a guess, that's what the fame brings. Come and be my guest, you can get flame, man. Let me get my dragon out the den. Let me maintain the flow as I craft it with my pet. I'm a master with the rap and can't be matched by many men. Cause I passed you when I traveled down the path you've never been. Staying active with this passion, try stack up for the gen. Try snatch for the cabbage, silly rabbit with a spin. I'm a savage, call me Ben. Sending rappers turn to dirty bastards when I have to dip. Instrumentals can get ripped. Shooting lyrics off my mental, make you rap. Get the memo like I'm deadly with the clip That the semi-automatic, you can bet we bring the havoc Load the barrel, let them have it Just be sure to leave your address I'm addressing all the rappers playing dress up You in the wrong sector, thought I'd tell you The rap game is not a pageant, it's tragic Since the young and been busting bum to get out the gutter Avoiding trouble and now I'm buzzing due to this hunger I'm busting bubbles, waking brothers up from slumbers Now I'm no longer the underdog, I'm heating up this summer No more dreaming, only action Me my team gon' make it happen We just scheming, strategizing why you guys are steady napping? Treasure my presence like pirate chess. I'm spitting crack, release the crack. And Kyle moving back. And so I hope you rappers started packing. Hey, uh, 
dead and evicted And even claws know that the boys' bars are gifted We making noise, neighbors might call the boys, they tripping Might leave a sticky note with a message, you just missed the tape We've been working hard, people never stop that hating Only seem to quiet down when Kyle finally elevating Early flights and elevators take me to my destination Seventeen and getting green, but we ain't even met the fame yet Bet, bet, bet it's too much money here. I mean, nobody should be hitting Lotto for $36 million and we got people starving in the streets. That is not idealistic. That's just real. That is just stupid. There's no way Michael Jackson should have, or whoever Jackson, should have a million thousand, drupal billion dollars, and then there's people starving. There's no way. There's no way that these people should own planes and their people don't have houses, apartments, shacks, drawers, pants. I know you're rich. I know you got $40 billion, but can you just keep it to one house? You only need one house. And if you only got two kids, can you just keep it to two rooms? I mean, why have 52 rooms and you notice somebody with no room? It just don't make sense to me. It don't. Welcome back to the Fresh Box and the Tailgate Crew. You know, one of the big things, one of the big, big questions going around is, the Pac-12 is better than the SEC. I had to take a breath there for a minute because I was about to laugh. Now, granted, the SEC, the SEC, as much as they beat themselves to death, but if you look at the SEC and you look at the number of teams ranked in the SEC, you look at the Pac-12 and you look at the amount of teams that are ranked in the Pac-12, you can't really tell by that because they won this year. And that was a win for the SEC over a really good, not yet top-level opposition in Arizona State in which Texas A&M won. Being said... You can't really gauge on one matchup. But you can gauge on the different matchups that could potentially happen in the playoffs. You could have a potential Oregon Georgia matchup, which is mouthwatering to to say they have an old miss Oregon matchup, which would be mouthwatering in the least. Um you can have a UCLA, even a one loss UCLA versus a one loss uh no forget Auburn. Uh, yeah, a one loss Auburn um undefeated LSU. I mean, there's so many different intangibles that could go on in the in, in, in this that these teams these schools actually played each other and had sort of like they do in basketball which is like was the ACC Big Ten Challenge, right? So, if you had that type of setup, and I think this is where the the NCAA wants to go with this, where the Power Five conferences actually play each other. Not necessarily like that, but in a sense where your top level your top level conference schools face the top level conference schools from another power five conference. Give you an example. 
Alabama plays Oklahoma or Oklahoma State plays Ohio State or Ohio State plays Alabama, well, Alabama did Ohio State and we saw what happened there. So that's a bad example. But the thing of it is, is that you can't gauge one conference over the other if those top-level schools have not played other top-level schools in the, in those conferences. So, till the Pac-12 wins a national championship again, which they haven't since USC won one, and that was 13 years ago. 13 years ago. And... Until another state wins as many championships in a row as the state of Alabama, I think we can all stop comparing yourself to the SEC. So, that being said, I'm going to take another quick station break, and we'll be right back. Oh, yeah. We out here. Oh, yeah. One mile, one mile. One mile, one mile, get him up, up Oh yeah, CMG, 2 a.m. crew, what's good? Bad Nation, I see y'all, New York We out here doing our thing, it just don't stop, right? Not for us Uh Everything I've been chasing after Me and Kyle hit the sky like we was falling backwards Went from killing time and climbing down the ladder To coming up with that real, that's my natural hazard Word, we those young men with those sharp minds Going all in, it's no part-time And we taking that cause it's our time Same drive with that new gas And that's old school, just new class Cameras out like newsflash And we hit the sky with that new cash Words. And I've been running for days Ever since I broke up out of the cage Been up and away like par fives We drive them insane And I leave no trace on the place I fade away till I made a way clean Got the whole world on the case But no matter what you won't stop my team I'm moving through the city Busy riding deep Getting stronger by the day They weaker by the week Competition gets outworked So it works out fine And every single minute we in it We break limits from 10 miles out You can see us shine What's good? Perfection, trying to manifest these blessings Told them live it to the max So I ain't never feeling less than Then these haters trying to question Will he make it? Is he destined? I told you I'm the truth A living walking confession I ain't lying, I ain't 
ain't posting, I'm just driving, I'm just hoping that I'll find an opportunity and that a door will open so I never pay attention when they tell me that I'm chosen cause I know I'm far from famous even though they know I'm blowing up took a while, but they know it's cow when I'm rolling up, people doubt, always ask me how but I'm sure enough that I'll be the greatest that my town has ever seen, be the one to pick them up when they're down like a towing truck, working, yeah I'm working put my team on, that's for certain I swear that's the naked truth, hiding behind those shower curtains, I managed to keep it clean, making music without cursing, now I'm entering the system, watch me do it like a surgeon, that's for certain If they we ahead of you, roll tide. 
Welcome back into the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being part of the show. You want to be a part of the show? You want to talk to me? Hit me up, 646-378-0298. But we're going to jump into back into some predictions and some things. And You know, one of the, one of the more intriguing games of, of the day Two of the most intriguing games that should happen in the SEC. Um, Florida, three thirty game, and Texas and Arkansas, um, which is an earlier game. I actually like the matchup with Texas and them and Arkansas. Arkansas and Texas and them playing in playing in Arlington tonight, today. Um, Texas and them. Undefeated Arkansas, two consecutive losses. Um, most notably getting beat up by getting beat up by last night by by eleven. Well, last week by eleven. There's a lot of talk of you know if Brett Billman's on the hot seat or is he even the right fit at Arkansas. My thing is Arkansas Brett Bielema is that he hasn't gotten his players in yet. This is the third year for him. This is really his first recruiting class that's going to play. So when you look at it that way and you look at some of the players they had last year, they had two thousand last year. They had a good, they had great quarterback play. This year, you're not seeing any of that because everybody's cannon on the run. Everybody's slapping the quarterback in the mouth, pretty much for Arkansas. Whereas it's the opposite for A&M. A&M is finally hitting their stride in the SEC. They're gonna, they're trying to get back to being that wrecking crew type defense that they had in the in the in the RC Slocum days. But it's gonna be hard for them, harder for them to get those recruits from the state of Texas to buy in to the philosophy of of John Chavis and, and everything. John Chavis is bringing a he's bringing a different style. He's bringing a more physical style to to ta- to A&M as opposed to what Kevin Steele had at A&M. Now, the bigger question is that Will you have a running back play to complement Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray? The question is, the answer is yes. You do have running back play. You do have good running back play. You have young receivers who can who will go up and catch the ball. You have a senior receiver who can catch the ball day in, day out. But 
in that same regard, can A&M stop the running game of Arkansas? I think they can. I think they will. I think they'll. I think they'll. And I think they'll beat them up pretty, pretty handily. Stay up front. But the bigger question is, is that can Arkansas get that pressure, that defensive pressure that they normally have on a quarterback that brought them, that that brought their their quote unquote. Yeah, no, maybe. Will the real Arkansas defense please stand up? I mean, you got beat up by Patrick Mahomes last week. Your secondary did not tackle. Did not tackle. They ran the ball on you. They and Texas Tech not even known to run the ball, but they ran the ball all over these last week. Quarterback like Kyle Allen who can pick you apart, and when they give Kyle Murray the ball. He can run on you, and he can pick you apart with both his feet and his arms. And then you receiver play of the likes that A&M hasn't seen in a while, where you have three receivers instead of just that one. I like A&M simply because of the quarterback play. I like A&M because of, because of their defense. Am I ready to see what A and M school, what A and M football team is going to stand up tonight? What Arkansas team will play tonight? Yes, because this is a this is an intriguing matchup. This is a this is probably more of a better matchup to me than the three thirty game on CBS because of the way that these two play. Arkansas has a point to prove. You know, there's been a lot of back and forth between Brett Bielema and and Cliff Kingsbury. Who cares? Cliffy basically beat you, Brett. So, you know, just deal with it. So, Arkansas coach? Hmm. Hmm. As we talked about, as we talked about just a few seconds ago, Tennessee and Florida, yes, all the makings of being a big barometer game for for Tennessee and Butch Jones. You have a great quarterback. You have two great running backs. Marquez North as you know, you have two other young receivers, and you have a tight end that you like to throw to. You know, you can hand the ball off to Alvin Lamar, you can hand the ball off to Jalen Hurd all day. You can run the ball, you can run the ball with Joshua all day long. But if you can't make the stops and you can't finish games the way that they should have finished the game against Oklahoma in your own home stadium, what makes you think that you're going to be the undefeated Florida team? You have a bit of an advantage also because they don't have Treon Harris. They don't have, they don't have, they don't have the other, the other cornerback to deal with. But you still got Vernon Hargreaves to deal with. You still have that excellent front seven for Florida. And Chapman didn't leave that cupboard unburied at Florida. I actually think that he actually deserved another year because of the age that 
But when you look at the roster of both Tennessee and Florida, you look at the roster of both Tennessee and Florida, and you see quarterback play, you see great running back rosters, but can these can those guys live up to the hype? Will Greer, great quarterback. I like him a lot. Love his arm strength. Love seeing him play. You know, along with Taylor's son, along with Brandon Hargreaves and, and those guys up front. With the way that they with the way that Tennessee plays, they like to play up tempo, they like to play fast. Bush Jones, this is a big barometer game for Tennessee. If Tennessee can get back to being that team that they that they say that they were in the beginning, when they were hyping themselves up as being that sleeper, that sleeper SEC pick, and I picked them as as a sleeper. This is this is that game that that needs to be. A, Alvin Kamara needs to come out of his shell. Jalen Hurd needs to start running scared. And Joshua Dobbs, he just he just needs to be Joshua Dobbs. He needs to be that smart quarterback that he that he's been three years that he's been in Tennessee. I like this game, but this game has all the elements of being sloppy, simply because of the identities that these two teams have. Jim McElwain has not instilled himself in this team just yet. We did he. Did, have the tirade with Mr. T- we know that Bush Jones has a bit of has a has that attitude about him that nobody can beat us this that and the other and I like that I like that I like Tennessee in his games because they've got playmakers they got defense but they have to finish they have to finish and that's one of the things that that we have to, that we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen Tennessee finish a football game yet. This game against can they finish and play a full four quarters against against Florida? Yet to be seen. But I like Tennessee in this game. And like I said, this is a big barometer game for them. This is a game that. Could swing. This is a game that could swing them the opposite way. Big game for both. And could this be the resurgence of Tennessee? Could this be the resurgence of Florida? Only time will tell. We'll see after. We'll see after after the three and a half hours have been played. After sixty minutes have been played. So I'm gonna go with. I can't believe I'm saying this, man. But I'm gonna go with Tennessee. I'm gonna go with Tennessee because of because of the play because of the playmakers. I say Tennessee in a closer than people think type of score. It's gonna come down to a field goal, and Tennessee's got a great kicker. Um, Florida's got a great kicker, so. It's going to come down to a, in a possession type game. So I'm going to say Tennessee by a touchdown. 
And we're going to jump into some other scores. We're going to jump into some Texas high school football scores from Friday. Um, Allen's Chandler wins. They're up to 48 in a row, 49 in a row. Uh, they've won, they won handily, uh, 38 to 28 over Louisville Marcus. Austin Bowie, uh, was a winner of Austin High School, 44 to 14. Um, Port Arthur, uh, Channel View beat, uh, Port Arthur Memorial, uh, 56 28 in, in district play. Cibolo Steel, Smithson Valley. You know, I actually, actually like these two schools. They've spawned out some great players. Um, in the San Antonio area. Cibolo still beats Mission Valley 42 to 16. Converse Judson, a winner over Shirts over Clemens, 49-35. Um Side Falls was a win over Jersey Village, 38-35. Side Ridge was a win over Side Springs, 38-48. Skyline was a winner over Irving, 49-7. Denton Ryan was a winner over Keller Central, 51-6. Go further down, further down the line around the Houston area. Katie was a winner, 41 And Katie Tompkins was a winner over Seven Lakes, 21-20. Fossil Ridge was a winner over Justin Northwest. Uh, Klein Collins was a winner over Klein Oak, 53-7. Lake Travis, which is one of the smaller schools in all of 6A, was a win over Del Valley, 64 to nothing. Leander Rouse was a win over Round Rock. Um, Mansfield was a win over Duncanville. The Mavericks from Manville was a win over Pasadena, 56 to nothing. Plano was a win over Flower Mound, 36-31. Northside Brennan got back to their winning ways after that big loss last week. They beat uh, Northside Marshall 55 to nothing. Holmes beat oh, San Antonio Northside. Holmes beat uh, Warren. South Grand Prairie was a winner over Midlothian 56-42. South Lake Carroll, um, uh, school that spawned out some great quarterbacks, Chase Daniel and Greg McElroy. Uh, to name two of those guys, um, 42-17 over Abilene. We move into some 5A scores, and Alito, they continue their dominance in 5A, winning 70 to nothing over Joshua. 25A action. Austin Vandergrift, over, which was the district winner last year, 49-3 over Leander. Brenham was a winner over th- over Tombow M- Memorial for thirty four to fourteen. It was Canatillo who the prize of last year from El Paso, um, semifinalists last year in five A Division One. They're fifty nine fifteen winners over El Paso. Cal Allen was a winner over over Moody. And Curval Tyvey was a winner over 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 Kennedy. Curval Tyvey, we know uh, Johnny Manziel's old high school. Curval Tyvey. Uh, 
go further on down the line. Nashville Summit, they beat Legacy 55 to 27. Needleland and, and Vider played last night. Needleland winning over Vider 36-30. We move on to 4A. Alvarado beat Stevensville 42-27. Over Paris 31-20. Lamarck was a winner 43-23 over Rosenberg. Lamar. Orangeville was a winner 24-21 over Newton. Move on down to 3A ball. And we're looking at, I'm looking at some scores here. Cameron Yo and Refurio. Refurio, major power in in um, in 2A. Uh, play Cameron Yo last week. Last, Cameron Yo beating Refurio 42-27. Cisco over Holiday 49-7. Gunter beat Bowie 49-21. And that's some of your, that's some of your scores from the state of Texas. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back, and we're gonna jump into some more predictions.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. <sighs> now, we jump into the two ones on ESPN, ones on ABC, and the ESPN game is kind of kind of odd for me because Auburn Mississippi State in the preseason was hyped to be two Heisman contenders. Jeremy Johnson, Dak Prescott, you know, going head to head, and whose coming out party is going to be the best coming out party? Well, after three very subpar performances and downright just nervousness from Jeremy Johnson, we now look at it as Sean White versus Dak Prescott, and I actually like this matchup of quarterbacks because you have a young, unproven quarterback has all the accolades coming out of high school, and then you have who was lightly recruited out of the state of Louisiana, and he was a Heisman Trophy, uh, got some votes for the Heisman Trophy. And then you have a wet behind the ears college kid um, who's only 20 years old, you know, playing his first college game. Some intangibles in this game is the running back play. Running back play for both Mississippi State and Auburn is is good. The running back play for Auburn is subpar at least, in the very least, because one, you you have you have Peyton Barber who is almost like a bruiser back, kind of like Cameron Artis Payne was. Rock Thomas, who is more or less like a smaller version of, (laughs) I mean, he's really a smaller version of Peyton Barber. Javon Robinson hasn't rushed any because of a nagging injury. We haven't had that big that big play yet. We've only had eleven big plays all season, and eight of those plays came in. Excuse me, came in the first game against Louisville. Whereas Mississippi State, they've had that supposed to play after that supposed to play after that supposed to play this season, and they're three and zero. So it it really behooves me to to really think that this game could actually, well, actually two and one. I'm sorry, Mississippi State's two and one. Also, it actually behooves me that Auburn. With the changes they made, they made a big splash in bringing back Will Muschamp. But injuries along that front seven have really hampered the Auburn Tigers. And you look at you look at that front seven without Carl Lawson. And you look at that front seven with him. You play, I mean, you play at least fifteen less plays when Carl Lawson's in there. But if you look at last week, they played almost seventy plays. You look at the week before, they played 92 plays against uh, Jacksonville State. So, 
this is an Auburn team. The offense doesn't help out. The defense suffers. You know, this is a work in progress for Auburn. You know, we're not tackling good. Then we open our mouths about a guy that you shouldn't open your mouth about, and he ran for almost 240 against us. And that was a bad omen for Auburn last week in that 45-20 to 20 loss. Now, bounce back games at Auburn, at home, at night, against a good Mississippi State team who's still looking for an identity defensively. Have all the offensive tools and all the offensive weapons that they need to make themselves better. A lot of people picked Mississippi State because they only had three people coming back on that defensive side of the ball to finish dead last. But with an experienced quarterback, I actually picked them to be fourth. So I think for the most part, I think Auburn should win this game. When you when you get beat up by a team like Jacksonville State, and then you get just destroyed by a team like LSU, they say LSU was quote unquote rebuilding this year. I don't even think that these guys could beat a fly. Let them try, but. At home, because I never go against Auburn, so I like Auburn at home. So, I mean, this is the closest than people think score, but don't be surprised if, if Mississippi State beats us up, beats Auburn up. And the 8 o'clock game is... The 8 o'clock is intriguing to me also because you have UCLA and you have Arizona. Scooby Wright's going to play for Arizona tonight uh, coming back from knee surgery. Um, UCLA lost Miles Jack for the season um, with, a torn, with a torn MCL. Happened on a non Tuesday during practice. So he's out for the rest of the season. Um, Josh Rosen, their quarterback, through three interceptions last week. Um, but the kid, from, but this kid, for me, I like Josh Rosen a lot because of the way he plays and because he's so poisoned, because because he's such an athletic-type quarterback. Um, I'm really excited about Really excited about seeing this game, and, and I and I would love to I would love to just back and watch Arizona. You know, with Scooby Wright on defense, I want to sit back and watch watch Josh Rosen against his Arizona defense, and then I also want to see Andrew Sol- Solomon and his offense against this great defense of UCLA. You know, this is a great matchup between two great teams. You know, this is a Pac-12 South matchup that has all the implications of being a playoff game that I think the winner has set themselves up to make the playoffs, not only make the playoffs, 
But to win the Pac-12 and the you no know, for that right to play either Oregon or either Oregon or Stanford out of this out of this you know out of this conference. So I love the matchup. This is a better this is a better than expected game for everyone to watch. And I'm excited to watch this game as well as everybody else is and and I and I like the excitement the Arizona Stadium's gonna have. I like UCLA. I like Arizona. I like them both. And it's gonna come down to experience in the quarterback in the quarterback side. You know, Andrew Solomon's played over forty games, almost almost thirty games for Arizona. Josh Rosen is gonna be playing in game number four. He's a true freshman. He's eighteen years old. You just don't know what you're gonna get out of a guy like Josh Rosen. You just don't know what you're gonna get out of a guy like a new Solomon, who's had his issues with turning over the ball. And Josh Rosen, who seems like it was an anomaly that he threw three interceptions. You know, not reading the game like he should, not trying to thread the ball in. We know you got a powerful arm, but think smarter. So with that being said, I like the fact that you know with Scooby Wright being back, you have more you have more potentials to have to get more stops with Arizona than you do with UCLA because UCLA has lost their main guy Miles Jack, who was you know again offensively and defensively probably their best player on that team. He's, he's that versatile. They're gonna miss him a lot and. You know, this could also be an opportunity to give him a redshirt year also because he is a junior in that sense, and he did play as a true freshman. So this could be a year where he could be a – where he'll be a redshirt – well, he can get redshirted this year because he's only played in two games or well, played in three games. So, so he could potentially have a redshirt year. So, I mean – with that being said, I like Arizona in this game. I like Arizona because they're playing at home. That crowd at Arizona Stadium is just wild. I don't th- I don't know how Josh Rosen is going to get his first true road game. So it's going to be really, really fun. I mean, really fun to see. So I'm going to go with Arizona. I like Jim Moore's offense. I like Jim Moore's defense. I like Rod's defense. But I'm going to go with the home team simply because Arizona plays much better in the big games at home. If you looked at the games that they played against um, USC, if you looked at the games they played Oregon, you know, historically they've always been a great home, a home team. So I'm going to go with Arizona for that reason. And that's why that's why I like it. And you know, the later game, you know, the later game, the ten thirty game, USC and Arizona State, this also has implications and it also you know these two games in Tempe and in and in Tucson. 
have big implications on the Pac-12 South and more or less the national the landscape of the national championship race in the playoff berths. Cam, they. This is this is a good weekend for the for the Pac-12. This is also a great weekend. Next week will be a great weekend for the SEC. These are showcase games, you know, coming up in the next couple of weeks for both for everyone for for the Pac-12, Pac-12 this week, SEC, you know, and I think the Big Ten next week, the next week. So these the big implications, big implications, and I, and I and I'm liking what I'm seeing. So. So everybody just they need to sit tight, sit tight. About fifteen minutes until game time, until some of these games kick off, and uh, Georgia and Southern Georgia and Southern University play at, play at noon. LSU plays at noon against Syracuse. Uh, Alabama is a four o'clock game. Notre Dame's a three thirty game against UMass, and another good game. This is an under the rate type game for me also, and in. In that, in that grand scheme of things, as we talked about Charlie Strong um, earlier earlier in the, in, the, in the show, Oklahoma State comes to Austin and they play Texas. Texas is off to a one, two and two start, but this is a Texas team that has everything in the right spots right now. They got they found themselves a quarterback in Gerard Hurd. They found themselves. They found themselves an identity on on defense. Um, they're still looking. Well, I take that back. They're actually looking. They're still looking for an identity on defense. But this is a good Texas team, and this is a team that will make a bowl game simply because of their will, simply because of the way that they play. You know, it was a heartbreaking loss, and it was it was very hard to take in. Watching the game, you know, watching the game um, when I did, because this is a team that stays a real comeback, and, and to miss an extra point the way that it was missed, you know, it, it kind of broke the hearts of of the of the Longhorn faithful. But this is a team that's going to come around. This is a this is a game that I would definitely say is an upset alert, not only for not only for Oklahoma State, but for the rest of the pack, for the rest of the Big Twelve. Because again, you got you got the Red River shootout, and this could be the this could be the launch point for Texas as a whole if they can get a win over Oklahoma State. And I and, and honestly, it could happen. And I like the and and I like Mason Rudolph. I like I like Glidden. I like I like the the receivers that they have. I love the running back. I like Mike Gundy's style of play, but defensively they can they can give up a lot of yards. Is is can Texas take advantage of the opportunities that's been given to them? That's the big question there. Gerard Hurd, you know, has solidified himself as a as a quarterback. He had a coming out party last week. Almost 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, trouble of them running. I mean, the guy has it. 
and I knew that he had it when he came out of school at Denton Guy. Saw him play, not in person, but you know, on TV. So this is a guy I, I, I like. I like, and I and I like, I like the program at Texas. You know, so I'm gonna put stay on upset alert, and that that's that's a legit. That's legit. The Texas team is legit. So, but as the time winds down and and everything, I just want to give a special thanks to to my admin, my man, my man T Rex, everybody that's going, everybody that's a part of the show. Um, thank you for letting me be a part of a part of your day, part of your preparations, a part of your tailgate, part of everything that you do. Um. In preparations for your football games, you know, you know, I'm really much of a, you know, much of an NFL guy, but I know some of you guys also watch the NFL, and my prediction is that the Bears will win over Seattle. I'm just gonna put that out there, <laughs> the Bears. But, and um, my thoughts go out to Gunner Kill, who took an extremely hard hit. Um, Thursday night during the during the Cincinnati Memphis game, um, all reports have said that he does have a, he does have movement in his extremities, and he had a severe concussion and also uh, strain. He may not play next week. Um, he may not play for the next couple of weeks, but um, that was good news to hear. Good to see. Good to hear that. Um, also, um, special congratulations to. To Memphis, four and Wow! Now, if the now if Memphis will, the University of Memphis will get off their butts and actually build this, build this school a new stadium. They can get more recruits in. And that's all I have to say about that. But thanks for being a part of the show. Thank thank you to everybody who who listened. Uh, again, um, just a great time had by all. Let's go tailgating. Y'all have a good weekend, y'all.
and get this tiger paw. Need Marshall might just go soon that they hike it off. Or get that thing to Corey Grant, I bet he taking off. Trey Mason might just come straight out that backfield. Fly right by your run, you over, go get her Advil. This the home of Ronnie Brown and Bo Jack. Ready to line up on that field. Told us so action. Helmets clashing. Drop back, quarterback pass. Might juke you out your shoes. Ooh, that was nasty. On yelling. 